Hi, everyone. Before we begin, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that Jeremy and myself will be at the STFM Spring Conference this May. We'll be helping lead a sports medicine pre-conference workshop entitled APCO. Hope to see some of you there. Today, we're doing a group visit. Your patients include Richard Sherman, Eric Berry, Jimmy Smith, Alex Okafor, Jordan Hicks, Jermaine Gresham, more recently, DeMarcus Cousins, further back, Kobe Bryant, Mike Conley. That's right, we're talking Achilles tendon rupture. I'm Ben Davis, faculty physician at Swedish First Hill Family Medicine Residency. This is Alex Bernadette, second year resident at Swedish First Hill. And I'm Jeremy Johnson. I'm a sports medicine physician from the Polyclinic in Seattle, Washington. And this is The Break. I'm just here so I won't get fined. So we've talked about this exhaustive list of people who've fallen victim to ruptured Achilles. Tell me a little bit more, Jeremy, about the function of the Achilles and what movements or environments make people prone to this type of injury. Yeah, this is a super common injury. First, let's talk about the Achilles function. So it's made up of two muscles. It's uh, both heads of the what's called the gastrocnemius. That means little belly-type muscle in the back of the leg, and the soleus. Those come together to the longest tendon of the body, which is the Achilles. The Achilles is super important in terms of sprinting sports. It gives you a lot of that power, that first push-off. And then it's also important kind of more endurance sports in terms of stability of the foot and ankle as you're pushing off. In terms of who gets this, it's usually a, a situation in which there's a long-term overuse, and really there's a spectrum of injury. So that first part of the spectrum is tendinopathy, or when the tendon starts to break down and degenerate. That's usually more of a chronic issue. It's as common as 12% of soccer players, 40 to 50% of professional runners get this. So it's happening in a lot of situations. Much more rare, but also more devastating, is the Achilles rupture, and that's the players that you're listing, a lot of them had Achilles ruptures. That's, you know, the incidence of that is around 5 to 18 people in 100,000. So much rarer, but much more devastating. The mechanism of injury for Achilles rupture usually involves an explosive movement. The foot is in the position where the toes are actually up or what we call dorsiflexed, and the player is pushing off in an explosive way. Oftentimes, too, the, the foot will be forced into dorsiflexion when the player gets hit from the side or is landed on strangely by another player. That can also cause the rupture in the tendon. So let's say Richard comes into clinic. Um, probably not any of our clinics, but he comes into clinic and he has a suspected Achilles rupture. What are your go-to tests in terms of physical diagnosis? In terms of what I'm going to look for, first I'm going to watch him walking. Typically when someone has an injury to the Achilles, they don't plantar flex. That means they don't push off their foot. So when they walk, their foot will remain flat. Now that's actually not very sensitive in terms of looking for injury because 
even when the Achilles has completely ruptured, there's other tendons around the ankle, uh, particularly the posterior tibialis tendon and the peroneus longus and brevis tendons that can also help with plantar flexion. So it's not really reliable if the player can't um, plantar flex his foot. As far as specific tests that I'd like to do, there's a test called the Thompson test. Basically, the player is going to be laying on his belly or what we call prone, and you're going to squeeze the calf. What you should see is that the foot actually pushes down or plantar flex. That's when the Achilles is intact. When the Achilles is ruptured, you don't see any of that plantar flexion. Speaking of the Thompson test, there is a 2013 study in International Journal of Sports Physical Therapy that looked at different physical exam maneuvers. And in there, they talked about the Thompson test. They pulled a study from 1998. It was a smaller study, but it did find that Thompson test had a sensitivity and specificity of 96 and 93% with likelihood ratios greater than 13 for a positive likelihood ratio and negative likelihood ratio of 0.04. So like pretty good test to just do in clinic and get a, a pretty sensitive and specific result. Where would this rate in your physical exam tests? Would this make your top five? Well, first, I just love any named maneuver. You do? You like the old white male named maneuvers? <laughs> no, that's not true. But I would say in terms of a good test, the Thompson test is up there. Um, but let's talk more about diagnosis. So if no, this, let's go back and let's talk about your top five here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's talk. Let's talk about. Shout out to George Garcia who would hate me for doing that. <laughs> he likes to get straight to the information. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk talk a little bit more um, about diagnosis. Okay, so as far as you know, the player comes in. You have a good history. So usually, what you'll hear from them history wise is they're going to. They're going to say, I heard a pop, or oftentimes what I hear is some, I feel like I got shot in the back of the ankle or something bit me in the back of the ankle and I turned around and nothing was there. And so those are kind of phrases that you'll hear a lot from patients. There's another test out there, um, another old white dude, the Maddles test. Its sensitivity is also pretty high at 88%. This one's performed with, again, the, the position of the patient is laying on the belly or prone. You bring their knee to 90 degrees, so their foot is basically facing straight up in the air. And you're looking how far that foot drops towards the floor. In the case of an Achilles rupture, that foot's going to drop a lot more on the side that's affected versus the side that's not. Let's talk a little bit about beyond the diagnostic tests, getting a little bit more specific, and that's imaging. So imaging, my imaging test of choice is going to be ultrasound. And it's what I like about this test is it's super sensitive. So in terms of looking at a complete tear versus partial tear, there's some studies that show it to be 100% sensitive. I don't know if I quite believe that, but that this, to have any study that says something that approaches 100% is pretty darn good. And really the reason why this is so good is that you can actually watch the tendon while you're moving the ankle. So what you're looking for with the ultrasound, you have it directly on the tendon and you're looking at the two sides of the tear actually spread apart. If that's the case, you can be pretty definite that you have a complete tear, which oftentimes will require surgery. But we'll talk a little bit more about treatment a little bit because we might be able to even get by without surgery on a lot of these. In regards to MRI, it's also a really good test. And I would use this in a situation where I didn't have an ultrasound that is readily available and my suspicion was really quite high. 
Or if you have a patient that you think didn't have an Achilles tendon rupture, but just isn't getting better. And as they come back into your clinic, your suspicion is kind of growing that this might be the case. You want to get an ultrasound, sorry, an MRI to make sure that's going on. So once you have that person in your clinic, you've done your Thompson test, you've done your ultrasound, you're pretty sure you have an Achilles injury. What type of treatments are you looking at? What type of strategies do you uh, employ in your own clinic? Until recently, we almost treated all of these complete tears or complete ruptures with surgery. As of, you know, in the last really 10 years, we've really, there's been a big push to move towards non-operative treatment in selected patients. Those patients are usually the ones that are sedentary or have medical risk factors that would make surgery um, a high likelihood of complications from surgery. As far as treatment, if you're going non-operatively, typically you want to put them in a boot right away or even a cast. There's a big push to get that boot on within the first 48 hours. And as far as placement, you want them in what we call equinus. And that's just a fancy way of saying their toes are kind of facing the ground or pointed towards the ground about 20 degrees. And that's because that takes the tension off the Achilles. Um, Another big part of non-operative treatment that there's a big push for. So until recently, we again thought that non-operative treatment, although that was adequate, it was a higher risk for people to have a re-rupture. But then they found out if you do a specific type of treatment regimen with non-operative treatment, and that means uh, what that specific regimen is, is functional rehab. And what they really mean by that is that you're going to get them moving as soon as 10 days after the injury. So what a lot of people do is I'll put them in a boot that they can take off still while they're non-weight bearing and start their range of motion about 10 days out. And really the goal is to progress their weight bearing to where they're full weight bearing within eight weeks. So this is a much more aggressive kind of non-operative treatment. But in the end, these folks had the same amount of strength. They usually return to sports around three to six months after the injury. Overall, it looks equivalent to surgical intervention. Are we expecting similar timelines with the surgery or does that change at all as far as the three to six months of returning to activities? So after surgery, it's going to be three to six months as well. So there's lots of different surgical techniques, and most professional athletes are going to do surgical intervention. This is either because of history or really more likely it's because their return to play is likely going to be a little bit faster. There's been one very small study on this, and it's in return to work and not return to play. And it did show that they got that individuals who were affected by this got back to work about three weeks earlier. Okay, so for the Richard Sherman, Eric Berry, Jimmy Smith, Jermaine Gresham, Jordan Hicks, Alex Okafor fans out there, there is a hope for the future. It's true. That's a lot of people, but oftentimes people can recover from this, can recover from this. Typically, the rate of people getting back to play is about 80%. So at least five of those folks are going to get back. Not too shabby considering the year we had in the NFL. Go Vikings. The Break is produced by Ben Davis. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at breakthepodcast at gmail.com. We'll have links to the paper and the injuries discussed in the description box below.
<clears throat> Achilles tendons. So we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> Mic malfunction. Whoa. Okay. Fingers. Real quick. I have a very long pinky. 